0: Well, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. David says that he was glad when he was told, let us go to the house of the Lord. That made him really glad. And I'm really glad today to be in the house of the Lord. Turn with me in the book of... Exodus chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15, and you're going to read from verse 1 to 21, hope you're there, so I'm reading. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his horse he has cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your ferry. It conceals them like stable. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I'll pursue. I'll overtake. I'll divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I'll draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sunk like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand; The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble, pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horse of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. May God bless his word. May God bless his word. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 15, please. We are digging a territory of text a little bit. eh? Revelation chapter 15. I'll read from verse 2 to verse 4. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteousness. Your righteous acts have been revealed. God bless his word. This is an old song and a new song. It is an old song and it is a new song. The saints of old sang this song and the saints in heaven they are singing this song. I didn't repeat that. The saints of old sang this song, the song of Moses. And the saints in heaven they are singing this song. It's a song of Moses and The song of the Lamb. That is what Revelation says. So, in other words, when we turn to Exodus 15, what we see there, it is a song about Jesus. It is a song about Jesus. All scriptures is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, so that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped for all, all, all good works. So in time to the Old Testament, (laughs) it's about Jesus, it's about him. You know what? When I was reading chapter 15 of Exodus and Revelation 15, I was like, We need to say the grace and go home. (laughs) Because the Bible has already preached to us. This is an excellent text. Moses is the one who penned down this song. It is a song, the first song recorded in the Bible. Moses is the writer. And you read this song, you see it reveals to us who God is and what he has done and what he is going to do. It's a total revelation about who God is, what he has done, and what he is going to do. But also subjectively, subjectively, it reveals to us the heart of Moses. For the first time, Moses is talking. For the first time, Moses is revealing his heart. He is pending, he has penned down this song. This is very important. I want you to see this. Because Moses penned down this song and he's going to pen, he has penned down, he has written down another song in Deuteronomy chapter 32 with the same theme. The theme of who God is, what God has done, and what God is going to do. And by the way, he has written also Psalms 90 also with the recurring theme. The theme of God's greatness. Who God is, what he has done, and what he's going to do about God. This is Moses. Paul says in Corinthians, these things were written for our examples. These things in the Old Testament were written for our examples so there's something we, I want you to see about Moses, subjectively. Because his heart is being revealed here. In this text, in Exodus chapter 15, when he pens down this song. <laughs> He's penning down a song of celebration, celebrating God. And in Exodus 32, he's penning a song celebrating God also. So very early at his ministry, early stages in his ministry, he's penning down, writing down a song celebrating God, who he is and what he has done and what he's going to do. At the end of his ministry, Deuteronomy 32, he's also penning a song celebrating God, what he has done, what he is doing, what he's going to do. For 40 years, he has been leading the children of Israel. 40 good years. Whew. I wish somebody will go. And I, if you have read the Pentateuch, you will see what I'm, I'm, I'm saying here. If you have read the books of Moses, you're going to see what I'm saying here. For 40 good years, Moses has been the leader of these people, the Israelites. (laughs) You know what? It was not easy, it is not easy to lead the people of Israel. It's not easy. They are stubborn. (laughs) Right after this song you read, after just celebrating and singing, they are murmuring and complaining. And it is like a cycle in the book of Judges. If you read the book of Pentecube, it is like a cycle. They are complaining and murmuring, complaining and murmuring. Have you been with people who complain and mama, mama every time? Huh? Complain mama, Complain murmuring. That was the cycle of these children of Israel. stubborn, stiff-necked people. When God says this, my people, they are so stubborn. They are so stubborn. And Moses is the leader. In fact, Moses did not want to lead them. You know, when he was called in Exodus uh, 3, God told him, you know what? I've heard the cries of my people in Egypt, and I want to deliver them. Moses is like, yeah, that's my prayer. And then God says, I'm sending you. It's like, oh, no, send somebody else. Just send somebody else, not me. I am okay with you delivering these people. I'm okay. But me going there, No. But God says, "You are the one. You are going. You are the man. You are going there to deliver these guys." So staying with people for forty years like this—it's not easy. It's very hard. It's a difficult task. How many pastors give up ministry for one year, two years? Well, these people are stubborn. They have discouraged me. The ministry burnout. There's a lot of complaint. You just see, pastors have left ministry. People leave ministry. Within two years, they are gone. Like, oof, I'm done with this. But this guy stayed with these guys for 40 years, and at the end of his ministry also, he's penning it down a song, not begrudging, not complaining. (laughs) He's not complaining to God. He's singing to God. He's just singing to God. And this is a cycle also many a times when these children of Israel were murmuring and complaining. I want to be like this guy. When children of Israel were complaining and murmuring, you know what he did? He went to the Lord. They complained they mama, he got to the Lord. They complained they murmured, he got to the Lord in prayer. That's the habit of Moses. They were about to kill him before this song. I'm telling you, 600,000 people. Not counting women and children. They see Pharaoh behind. You know, they have just forgot what God has done in Egypt, delivering them, killing the firstborn sons, and all the ten plagues, they have forgotten. They see Pharaoh with his army and chariots behind, and they look forward, they see the sea. A great, vast sea. And they start to complain. They want to kill him. One of my professors said, the Israelites were between the devil and the deep red blue sea. They were in between there. But what does Moses do when they complain and cry? He does not do what they do. He goes to the Lord. Do you see that? There's a lesson from this man of God I want you to grasp. I want us to see it. What was the difference? What made the difference between Moses and the children of Israel? What made the difference? Here's the difference. Here's the difference. Moses' eyes were fixed on God. He was not fixed. He did not fix his eyes on the circumstances. He did not fix his eyes on situations and things which were happening around. He fixed his eyes on God. When you fix your eyes on God, your God is bigger and your problems become smaller. But when you fix your eyes on your problems and your situations and your circumstances, they become bigger. You magnify them. And your God looks very small. You remember Peter? You remember Peter? When he asked the Lord, Hey, can I walk on on, on water? And the Lord, Jesus, like, come. Peter stepped on water and started to walk. Then what happened? He started to walk because he was fixing his eyes on Jesus. That's why he was walking. But when he turned his eyes from Jesus to the wind and the waves, he started to sink. My question is, where are we fixing our eyes? Where is our heart? Where do we fix our eyes to? Do we fix our eyes on situations and problems and circumstances and tend to be like the children of Israel, murmuring and complaining? Or do we fix our eyes on the Lord? No matter what happens. Oh, we don't have any plans. We don't have any strategies. Our eyes are on you. One of the kings prayed that. Our eyes are on you. There's everything that can make you melt in this world. Even Jesus says in this world there are many troubles but rejoice because I have overcome the world. So you see The children of Israel fixed their eyes on the problems and they were always complaining and murmuring. Moses, the servant of God, continuously fixed his eyes on Jesus, on God alone and him alone because he knew God, who he is. He knew him. And that's why I'm saying this song reveals the heart of Moses subjectively. I want to ask you, where is your heart? Where is your heart right now? Hmm? Where your treasure is, your heart is also. Where is your heart? They they say of uh, the missionary Dr. David Livingstone. eh? He was a pioneer missionary in Africa. And uh, they say uh, when he died, he became a superstar. He became a superstar when he, when he died. The, the people in Europe, England, came with their ship and they put his body in, in the casket and they wanted to take him back home to bury him. But before the ship went, that night, one of the guys, an African guide, sneaked into the ship and put a dagger into his chest and removed his heart and went and buried it under a tree and wrote a sign say, saying, the body of Dr. Livingstone is in Europe, but his heart is in Africa. Where is your heart? He is a great example of somebody in the Old Testament whose heart was in God. And I, that's why I love the Old Testament. That there are characters you see in the Bible and you are like, you, you don't have any excuse. You, you, I'm telling you, you, reach to heaven today and you still complaining about the issues. God will like, hey, Joseph, come here. Hey, Moses, come here. Uh, explain to this guy. You know, just assuming things here. Because there are real people who faced the real circumstances in life and they overcame. How? Because they looked on God. Even in the New Testament, they overcame uh, Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So, number one thing we see in this text, this song is a song of redemption. It is a song of of redemption. Look at verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Verse 13. You have laid in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Verse 16. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. There's a great picture of salvation here. You know, when we think about salvation and redemption, we look back to the cross, right? What Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. But these people, when they want to think about the picture of God's greatness and salvation, they look at that great redemption, how God delivered them from Egypt, from Pharaoh and his army. And they sing about that. That's a great picture of salvation. You see, hello. The Israelites could not deliver themselves from bondage in Egypt. They could not. Even if they wanted, they could not. They were under a tyranny of Pharaoh. They could not do anything. They were hopeless and helpless. Nothing they could do to help themselves. Nothing they could do to emancipate themselves. Nothing. What they needed was a great Deliverer, to deliver them. And God did that. He delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh. He delivered them from the bondage, from bondage to this big guy called Pharaoh. What a picture of salvation. Jesus, God-man. God has revealed himself in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has delivered us from bondage of sin. This is something that we could not do. Just as the Israelites could not deliver themselves, we could not do it by ourselves. You know what? The Bible says that in Colossians 1.13, he delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear, beloved son. It's about kingdoms here. It's either you are in one kingdom or the next kingdom. There's no in between, no. If you are in the in the kingdom of Satan, you cannot deliver yourself. Somebody, a big guy who is stronger than the big guy there, has to come and deliver you. And when you are in Jesus... You cannot get out. Ah, how' somebody to say this? It's not about you are doing and your, uh, 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 your strategy and uh, your cleverness and your ingenuity. No, no, no. It's about Jesus from A to Z. Salvation belongs to him. Praise the Lord. And that's what we see here in Egypt. God delivered them from Egypt. And the good thing I see is that when he delivered them from Egypt, he didn't leave them alone to help themselves. Like God did not say, hey guys, you know what? I've delivered you. You can make it on your own right now. No, he kept on guiding them by the pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. He was with them and he led them to their desired haven. That's who God is. The Lord is our Redeemer. The Lord is our Redeemer. He purchased us by the blood of the Lamb we belong to him twice because we belong to him by the mandate of creation and also by deliverance. He bought us with a price of his own blood. We belong to him and nobody else. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. This is a great, great redemption. Do you marvel when you think about how God has delivered you from the deep pit and set your feet on top of the rock? Do you marvel about that? Because the book of Revelation says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were in the casket, dead. Dead. Not responding to any external stimulus. We were dead. What a dead man needs to do? He cannot do anything. You know, that's why a prayer, repeat the prayer after me does not work because somebody is dead. How do you say, tell a somebody, somebody to repeat a prayer when that person is dead? What a dead man needs is resurrection first. You cannot do anything to a person who is dead. He needs to be resurrected from the dead. You know, and you cannot do anything. You know, for example, you have got a bad heart. You don't tell somebody with a bad heart to go and do marathon. That person will die person with a bad heart needs an operation and uh, being given a new heart. God delivered these guys from bondage of slavery and oppression and suppression. The same way it pictures our great great, great redemption whereby Jesus has delivered us from the bondage and the power and the slavery of sin. He has paid the full price. He was made sin who had no sin so that we might become the righteousness, the righteousness of God. He took sin who had no sin in our place, in our stead. He did it for us. And that's why we sing with John Newton. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It's just amazing. That's the word you use. It is amazing. That's why the saints are singing this song. And in heaven they are singing this song. And we are singing this song because it is amazing. How can it be? How can it be? A singer sings that song. How can it be? a rich person like me, to enjoy these blessings. How? It's by the grace of God. The same these guys did not deserve. Deuteronomy 7, he says, God did not set his love on you and chose you because you were numerous in numbers or greater than any other nation. No. In fact, you are the fewest of all the nations. God just chose Abraham because of his love. Abraham was not even a Jew? Hello? Abraham was not even a Jew. When he called him out of the, the country of the Uld of the Chaldeans, he was not a Jew. It is God. It is all about God. And all these things he's doing, the great redemption, he's fulfilling his covenantal blessings that he has. He had promised to Abraham. Oh. Is there somebody here who has not come to Christ? The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of life is found only in Jesus Christ. He is the gift of life. You cannot sing this song with us if you have not come to Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. That dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. was Zechariah 13. If you're here and you have not come to Jesus, believe in him that he died on the cross for our sins. And he was raised and is right now seated at the right hand of God, of his majesty in heaven. Because it's all about him it's all about him. It's not about anything that we do. The same with the Israelites, they did nothing they were. In fact, Joshua says, you know, Joshua says what? Joshua twenty four fourteen, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the lord <laughs> have you heard that they also their fathers worshipped idols in egypt so there was nothing intrinsic from them that drew god to serve them you know there are those people who say you know god foresaw that you are going to be a good man that he saved you no 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 there was nothing intrinsic in them God just, God just set his love upon them and said, I'm going to save these guys and I'm going to destroy the Egyptians because I am the Lord. Full stop. So he comes and says, Jacob I love, but Esau I hate. Full stop. You have an issue with that? Go to the Supreme Court. Hello? Psalms 1, 7 to 12 says, Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the red sea, and it became dry. And he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. That is who God is. He is the redeemer of his people. Listen to Spurgeon. Listen to Spurgeon. Spurgeon says, When Moses sang at the Red Sea, it was his joy to know that all Israel were safe. Not a drop of spray fell from that solid wall until the last of God's Israel had safely planted his foot on the other side of the flood. That done, immediately the floods dissolved into proper place again, but not till then. Part of that song was, Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. In the last time when the elect shall sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and of the Lamb, it shall be the boast of Jesus. Of all whom thou hast given me, I have lost none. In heaven there shall not be a vacant throne for all the chosen race shall meet around the throne shall bless the conduct of grace and make his glorious glories known I love this quote he says again Spurgeon says he who counts the stars and calls them by their names is not is no danger of forgetting his own redeemed children He knows your case as thoroughly as if you are the only creature he ever made or the only saint he ever loved. That's the God you're talking about here. You know? He who began a good work in you, he is going to carry it to completion. Hello? He who began a good work in you, he is going to carry it to completion. Because he is able, he is not going to uh, to leave it half the way along the way. No, that's why believers they are going to persevere to the end. No matter what happens, they are going to make it to the end. You 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 see somebody has left Christianity? Uh, that guy, uh, you have to ask yourself some questions. Oh, you know, I tried Christianity and it did not work. It did not work. Oh, you tried it. Okay, that's good. It's because you tried it. You know, we don't try it. In fact, God himself drew us to Jesus Christ. All whom the Father has given in my hands will come to me. And nobody shall pluck them out of my hands. Because the Father himself is greater than all. (laughs) You know, even if you want to remove yourself from Jesus, you cannot. You'll struggle, maybe like Jonah, but you cannot. He's going to deal with you. He's going to deal with you. You cannot. He will use the cheeses and the hammer, everything, to make you go in shape and in line, because He is the Lord. Number two, it was a song that was sung to the Lord. It was a song that was sung to the Lord alone. It was not sung to men. It was sung to the Lord. And you know, that is what happiness is all about. Contentment is all about. It is about praising and worshiping the Lord. Not your feelings, not how you feel. No, it's about the Lord. The chief end of man is what? is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's what brings joy. This world has got no joy, oh? This world, everything they offer, it is vanity, 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 and chasing after the wind. You want more money, so what? You get more money, next. You want this, you want that, you want... Everything is just. Chasing up the wind. There is no happiness there. True joy and contentment comes from worshiping the Lord and Lord, the Lord alone. Praising him. And that's why we are here. We do not come to worship anybody. We have come to praise and worship the Lord because he deserves our praises. He deserves it. You know, the book of Ephesians 2.28, it says, I hope I'm, I'm quoting right, it says that, Be filled with, be not not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And, you know, the result of that is singing hymns, songs, psalms, and spiritual songs. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. The result is singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Praising the Lord. Number three, it was a united song. Look at that. Eh? Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. All of them, corporate worship, they worshiped together. I love corporate worship. Amen. We do it together in unison as one. It doesn't matter my voice. I don't have a good voice to say. It's more of busy, like I, I don't like you know. But sometimes I'm surrounded with guys who can sing well, you know. I mean, my wife, my dear wife, she's here. She sings a very I mean, you know, I love it. I just love it when I hear her sing. Anthony is sometimes in the back. He, he brings this good uh, kind of, uh, you know, voice. And we're like, yeah. So, you, you, you know. Because we sing to the Lord and also we sing to one another. And you listen to the other person like, oh, this guy has got... Uh, you are blessed. So, I'm so blessing, blessed when I hear brethren, beloved, singing. And I sing with them. And here it didn't matter. I think it didn't matter whether you have a, a voice like whatever. You just sing! Yes. Just sing! Yes. Ah! Nobody cares. Tambourine, Miriam is with the tambourine. We just sing. <clears throat> nobody cares how you sing or it is off tune, in tune. We are praising the Lord here. Hallelujah! Because everybody is somebody and Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah. Okay, let me go out of there. (laughs) It was a personal song. It was more personal. Personal. Look at the pronouns. Personal pronouns used here. Look at those pronouns. The Lord is mine. Strength, my song, my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him. My father's God. I will exalt him. It's also, yes, God is for us all. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But he is my. He is my. Unless you can make that statement, my friend, you're not part of us. Hello? We have to personalize it also like he is my Lord. Islam cannot make that statement. They cannot say Allah is my. Hinduism cannot. They cannot say whatever God with their name is my. They don't. It's only Christianity that can personalize and say we have a personal relationship with our Redeemer. Oh. And God says so. He says so. You know there's no agreement between the temple of gods and idols. No no agreement at all. Hmm? For I will dwell among them and walk among them, they shall be my people and I will be their God. That intimate personal relationship. Oh, what a blessing to have a a God whom you can say, he is my God. Awesome. It's a blessing, huh? All the other gods, they are the works of men. (laughs) People have made their gods and they have fabricated them. There's no relationship with those idols. Because they are not living. They are not living. They are dead. You know, and I think that's why a simple man loves a God whom they have manufactured there, because it is a God who whom does not, he is not living. He does not command. He does not say anything. He's just there. Number five, it is a song that reveals God's character. God's character. The holiness of God is being revealed here holy listen to verse 11 who is like you o lord among the gods who is like you majestic in holiness awesome in glorious deeds doing wonders who is like you he is glorious not only holiness he is not only holy he is glorious in holiness holiness is beautiful <laughs> holiness is beautiful we worship the lord in the beauty of his holiness I know people have got an issue with this when they hear "holy God, holiness is like." Oh no, no, no! It's beautiful." In fact, one of the theologians says the holiness is the crown. Uh, Brother Anthony, you're talking about this. I thought, not like this guy. Are really we in spirits in the morning? He's like, how did you did you copy my sermon? You know, you know, holiness is the crown of the perfections of God. His mercy is holy. His love, people talk about love, 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 love. His love is holy. Uh, Mention it, mention it. Uh, His faithfulness is holy. That's why the the, the angels, Isaiah 6, they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. They don't say love, love, love. They don't say mercy, mercy, mercy. They say holy, holy, holy. Not only, listen, not only that God is holy in the sense that he is undefiled or impure, but he is separate, the solitariness of God. He is separate, and he is the source of all holiness. He says this thing is holy, it is holy. Moses stands at the ground, that ground, God is at that ground, he says, this ground is holy because... I have said so. In the tabernacle there were things which were holy, set apart to the Lord, because he has said these things are holy. And the church and the saints, they are set apart because God himself has set them apart and they are holy. Ooh. Peter says, be here holy just as God is holy. Matthew 5.48, be a perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Hebrews 12.14, live at peace with everyone. Listen to that. Live at peace with everyone and seek holiness without which no one shall see God. Hmm. Habakkuk says his eyes are pure; They don't look on evil. Mm. Look at his ascribed greatness to our God, the rock, for his works is perfect, and all his ways are just. Our God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright, is he. Yeah. That's the God we are talking about. <laughs> the standard is 100% here. That's why when he says, be a perfect is hundred percent. No 99 percent. it is hundred percent. you don't you come with 99 percent, you go to hell. It is hundred percent here. That's why who will stand at the mountain of God? No one! But one man, Jesus, and in Jesus Christ, who? Oh, I like Charles Wesley, in him. The tribes of Adam boast more blessing than their father lost in him. Ooh. He has saved us through his theologians will talk about active and passive obedience. Simply his perfect life and him dying on the cross. He has saved us. God is sovereign. He's sovereign. 14 times this The name Lord is being repeated here. And verse 18 says the Lord will reign forever. And he's also just. He is a judge. He is a judge. He judged. It is a victory song. He plunged Pharaoh and his army into the sea. I think he defeated him even twice. Like the gods of Egypt were defeated. Listen to this. The gods of Egypt were defeated. And then he comes with his chariots. We're talking about arsenals here. You a superpower coming with the, their majestic glory here. And then he plunged everybody into the sea and they perished. And Moses said before they crossed that this Egyptians, as you see today, you shall see them no more. Yeah. Yeah. All of them, they were swept away. The defeat was comprehensive. The defeat was complete. There was no shadow of doubt that they were defeated. (laughs) Oh, he is nobody's league. He calls the shot, huh? The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Yahweh is his name. Oh, Lord, our God. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Your right hand, oh Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, oh Lord, shatters the enemy, verse 6. Verse 7, in the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send off your fury. It consumes them like stubble, verse 7. Verse 12, you stretch out your right hand. The earth swallowed them, verse 12. Hebrews says... Hebrews 10.31 says, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 12.29, our God is a consuming fire. Who is like thee? Majestic in power and holiness. The last thing of today. About this song. It was a a song that turned the world upside down or rather right side up. It was a song that turned the world upside down or rather right side up. You know what? (laughs) The nations trembled when they heard this news. They trembled. They were forgetting. They were shaking. They were melting. Look at verse fourteen. The people have heard; they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Verse fifteen: Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed; trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O oh Lord, pass by; till the people pass by whom you have purchased. Verse sixteen. Verse 18, the Lord will reign forever. You know what? That's true of the New Testament church. The New Testament church, through the preaching of the gospel, the gospel is the power. When they preached the gospel, they turned the world upside down. These uneducated guys, these fishermen's, they turn the world upside down because the gospel is the power of God to everyone that believeth. And they were like, the people of that way, they are coming. These people of the cross, they are coming. These people, they turn the world upside down. That's what the gospel does. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. The gospel changes everything. It is the power. It transforms. It changes life. It it it. it it makes us to be sons of God. It changes us. Amen. That's why, if you meet Jesus, you will never be the same again. Yeah. Oh, you will never be the same again. Yeah. All people who are in Christ are a new creation. The old things have passed away, and now be all they are new creatures. You cannot remain the same. Yeah. <laughs> this Christianity of people remaining like they were before they were saved is really questionable. You have to change. You have to transform. Because the gospel is the power of God. And that's why we need to sing this song together with the saints. Praise him. Worship him because he has redeemed us. It is a song that is a song of victory. It is a song of testimony. It is a song of redemption. It is a great song that everybody shall sing together. And we are going to sing that in heaven. We are going to sing this song in heaven. Are you bored with this song? Oh, ho, we are going to sing this song in heaven. You better, you better practice right now. Yes. Develop your muscles right now because we are going to sing this song. I finish with a quote from Isaac Watts. <laughs> Jesus shall reign whereas the sun does its successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane." No more. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Oh Lord. Our Lord, how majestic is your name. You rule, you reign, you conquer. You are the Lord who is high, lifted up. And today we are praising you because you have triumphed victoriously. That's why we are here. Because we know, we know, we know, we know that you are reigning in us, in our lives, and everybody and the entire world, heaven and earth. You are reigning and ruling, oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You use your word to change us, please. Change us to see this beauty of your holiness and be transformed, buried. Change our lives, oh Lord. Because you want to be like you. We want to be like you. We don't want to be like the world. We don't want to be like people out there. We want to be like you, Jesus. We yearn for that. We seek for that. We crawl for that. Being like you, Jesus, is our delight and our desire. And so help us. Help our unbelief. Help us, Lord. Shepherd us, Oh, Lord, we want to be like you. Help us. Help somebody today. Heal somebody today. The spiritual diseases. Heal somebody today. Because we want to be different when we walk out of here. Not like we came in. We want to be different people. Thank you, Jesus. You, of course, you are at work. You are already at work. You have begun this work, and you are going to carry it into completion. We bless your name. We praise your name. We thank you. We give you honor and glory in your mighty name. pray and, and believe. Amen.